A good name is someone's respected reputation or high standing in the community. To drag someone's good name through the mud is to soil their reputation. To conduct a smear campaign against them or to run them down in the eyes of others. Anything that damages someone's good name is something which undermines their credibility or diminishes their public standing. I ask you to bear that in mind as we look together at the, the third of the Ten Commandments, which says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. In effect, God tells his people to make sure they don't damage his good name. That captures the sense of the commandment not to misuse the name of the Lord. Don't drag it through the mud, don't pull it down, don't lower other people's opinion of it. Other translations talk about taking the Lord's name in vain, making wrongful use of God's name or using his name for evil purposes. This commandment is about not taking or lifting up the Lord's name to anything that is false, vain, or empty. Clearly, this commandment does address the issue of losing the Lord's name as a swear word, which is out, but outside the church is regularly how you will hear the name of God or the name of Jesus Christ being used, giving vent to anger, frustration, or surprise. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. It's not being used in prayer or in worship. It's not being venerated or honoured. It's being degraded. It's being placed on the same level as some other choice swear words, which are not appropriate for me to repeat here. It's a measure of our alienation from God that this kind of language is used without people giving it a second thought. And as a result, the name of God, which should be honoured and treated as valuable and precious, holy, is treated as something worthless, profaned. And inasmuch as such language insults the name of God or treats it with contempt, it may be appropriate to use the term blasphemy to describe what's going on when someone uses God's name in this way. When someone says, Oh my gosh, you never quite know what's coming at the end of that exclamation mark. Was this the kind of misuse of the Lord's name that the commandment was originally designed to prevent? Probably not. But when we think about misusing the Lord's name in our culture, in our society, this is what comes to mind. This commandment is routinely broken without a second thought by people who use the Lord's name in effect as a swear word. In the ancient world, though, lifting up the name of the Lord to something that is empty, vain, or worthless would have carried connotations of associating the name of God with the worship of idols, which were perceived as being vain, empty, and worthless. So it's possible that this commandment was intended, as the first two are, to, to prevent the association of the name of God with idol worship, 
to prevent the good and holy name of God being dragged through the mud by its association with the worship of any other gods. It's a feature of magical incantations and spells that the names of loads and loads of different gods are proliferated and called upon to achieve the desired outcome. So this, this name of God and that name of God and that from other religion and all of them put together, I'm going to call them all in an effort to harness all their power to achieve what my aim is and get the desired outcome. The idea is that by reciting the names of all the different gods, whatever power there might be around, you can harness it and manipulate it and use it to achieve your ends. In that sense, the name of God, the name of Jesus, was used on, on amulets and little kind of spells you can see written down in various periods throughout history. Just an attempt to, to use the name of God for magical purposes. That is certainly part of what the commandment was designed to prevent. That kind of use of God's name is very different from praying to a sovereign, almighty God. It's actually a deliberate attempt to manipulate his power to achieve one's own ends. And that would fall within the original scope of the commandment. Now, I don't suppose, I think I'm right in saying this, I don't suppose many of you will go home tonight to mutter incantations of that sort or over your cocoa or write little charms calling all the different names of God because you want something to happen. That's not something we do in our culture particularly. But... The idea of invoking the name of God to get our own way, trying to claim God's authority for something that we want, trying to suggest that God is on my side in this respect and therefore you need to do what I say because I'm, I'm speaking for God here. That also comes within the category of using the name of God wrongly comes in the category, actually, of, of spiritual abuse. God's name is not to be used to bolster my own agenda or my programme or get what I want. And God's name is not to be employed to support any secondary cause. You can't use God's name to further a political agenda. You can't call on God to support a certain kind of economic programme. God does not back any kind of moral majority reform movement. So when God's name is invoked in the cause of nationalism, or bigotry, or sometimes naked self-promotion, as happens from time to time, that is when we get closer to the real offence caused by treating God's name in this way. Because God's name is used to implore, is employed to further someone else's agenda. And when religion is employed to serve a political agenda, that is an abusive religion. And it's because so many abuses have been committed in the name of God, or in the name of Jesus Christ, or in the name of Allah, there are lots of people who understandably assume that religion lies at the heart of so many of the evils and conflicts in our world. And the problem is not God. It's the way people have called on the name of God to further their own ends and aims. That is the problem. 
and it's ruled out by the third commandment. To do such a thing is uh, to, to break the third commandment because the name of the Lord has been misused, it's been lifted up to support some secondary cause and as a result has become tarnished and degraded in the process. Any attempt to use the name of God to serve my own interests or my own agenda or that of my party or that of my country entails lifting up the name of the Lord to what is empty and false and worthless. And we need to be on the watch for that kind of thing when it happens. But there's also a sense in which we can misuse the name of God when we use it thoughtlessly or carelessly. The Jews take this third commandment so seriously that the name of God is never pronounced. It's too holy to take upon your lips. And when the name of God is written in the scriptures, they always insert a different title instead, like the Lord, to avoid saying God's name, just in case it's said inappropriately. I wonder whether there is a risk sometimes of of using God's name wrongly in our prayers, if our prayers are a bit meaningless, which is frighteningly easy to do sometimes, if we say stuff without really thinking about it or without really meaning it because we're just doing it out of habit. I was looking up, uh, I wasn't sure whether to use the example or not, but I'm going to use it anyway. Abuse of 999 calls. Uh, I've, I've, I've bought a cold kebab from the shop and they're refusing to exchange it. Someone rang up 999 about that. Or it's four in the morning, can you tell me where I can buy a sandwich? That was another 999 call. And there are various examples of people dialing 99 for pointless things. Do we ever kind of call on God's name for, for stuff that actually is trivial or irrelevant or pointless? Do we, do we treat God's name lightly in that kind of sense? Are there prayers, we say, without thinking, without really meaning them? The Lord's Prayer is a case in point. We don't say it all the time here. Uh, partly because I think there's a danger that you can just say it by rote without thinking, particularly if you rattle through it fairly swiftly. But that is an immensely challenging prayer to pray. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are we really prepared to let God set the agenda for how we live our lives? To submit to his authority? To hand over to him the keys of our own little empire? Or do we say the words without thinking about them? without meaning them. As we seek forgiveness for our own sins, are we also prepared to forgive others or to seek the grace to do so? What about the prayer not to be led into temptation? Within our heart of hearts, we know just how strongly we're drawn to go down the wrong path because it looks so attractive and alluring to us. If we know we stand on the threshold of almost certain temptation, then the appeal, lead us not into temptation, may be a genuine cry for mercy and help because we know that left to our own devices, we're going to do the wrong thing. But all this is a reminder that when we pray, we call on the name of the Lord. 
And if we're not to take his name in vain, then we need to choose our words carefully and mean what we say. Now, I don't want to start to make people feel guilty about this because there is, there is space, actually, for a regular reciting of the Lord's Prayer and other prayers. And sometimes you will say them and the words won't connect. Sometimes you will say them and, and a word will connect with you. And that there is value in the routine and just actually going through the prayer. The danger is that we go through the prayer and we say it without really meaning it or intending to mean it at all. That's where the divergence between what we say and what we think and what we want. There's a danger in that opening up. Because if we pray the prayer, God always wants to bring what what we want into line with the prayer that we pray. And if we pray the prayer and we don't mean it, and we have no intention of meaning it, I have no intention of forgiving that person, I'm really going to do this whatever you say, I don't want your kingdom to come into this area of my life, that is where we are in danger of taking the name of the Lord in vain because we're saying one thing and meaning something else. Incidentally, it's worth pointing out that the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is a positive version of the third commandment. Because whereas the third commandment tells us not to misuse the name of the Lord, the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is, Hallowed be thy name. May your holy name be treated with honour, reverence and respect. So if we pray the Lord's Prayer and we mean it, we will be keeping the third commandment as that is worked out in practice in our lives. As so often, the New Testament turns an Old Testament prohibition into a positive commandment. So we're not faced with a long long list of things we're not allowed to do. Instead, Jesus enables us through the Holy Spirit to lead a positive lifestyle in which the commandments of the law are fulfilled in how we live as we follow him and live for him. If God's name is being hallowed, it will not be used in vain. If God's name is treated as holy, it will be used with reverence and respect. Because when you use the name of God, you know that you are addressing the living God, your creator, the holy one, the one to whom worship is due, the one to whom you don't bring empty, meaningless, pointless words. And if God's name is being hallowed straight away, the most important thing is not me and my agenda and my priorities. It's about how can I live my life in such a way as to bring honour to this holy, precious, glorious name of the Lord. So this commandment is not just about the things that we say, the careless swear word, the empty prayer, the manipulation of God to our own ends. It's about how we live our lives as well. In Romans 2, Paul refers to the Lord complaining that his name is blasphemed among the nations because of the way his people are living. Those who preach against theft are found guilty of stealing themselves. Those who denounce adultery are found to be adulterers. Those who claim to set great store by the law of God dishonour God by breaking the law. 
It's a theme of the Old Testament prophets that Paul takes up here, that God's people who are called by God's name have dragged God's name through the mud because of the lives they have lived. They've not lived as God's people should live. And therefore, God's name has been brought into disrepute. The nations looking on are saying, well, if that's how God's people behave, I'm not impressed with the God they claim to serve and honour. And it's a cry that's often echoed today, and with some good reason. Well, if that's how Christians behave, I don't want anything to do with their religion. So what is the church? What are Christians known for in the news right now? If you look up the news for church, if you look up the news for Christian, you find the same thing. It is sex abuse scandals. That's what people read about for the church and Christians in the news. It's all about Christians using spiritual power to exploit and abuse vulnerable people. The name of God is blasphemed among the nations because of it. They've taken the Lord's name in vain and used it badly. If you are a Christian, then you are known by the name of Christ because Christ is the start of the name Christian. And his name will be honoured or reviled in accordance with how you live your life. Because honouring the name of God is not just about the songs that we sing and the prayers that we utter in church. It's about the life that we live the other six days of the week. To call on the name of God in prayer, to claim to belong to Jesus, while at the same time living a life that is at odds with that direction declaration is to take the name of the Lord in vain, to use his name in the service of something that is worthless or empty, and to bring God's name into disrepute. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that all Christians are supposed to be perfect people. The whole point is that we are sinful people who get it wrong and who need forgiveness. Forgiveness which is granted in and through the name of Jesus Christ our Saviour. But the point is being honest about the kind of people that we really are. When we pretend to be better than we are, when we claim the moral high ground, where in reality we're only standing on a pile of rubbish of unconfessed sins, then we are wide open to the charge of hypocrisy and we are in breach of the third commandment because we are misusing the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is the name of our Saviour. Whoever calls on his name will be saved. And there is power in his name when we call on it, because we're calling on the name of the Lord of all. That came across very clearly in our readings from Acts. So when you call on the name of the Lord, make sure you mean business. Think of a diagram with three different circles on it. One circle represents the kind of life that we lead, the people that we really are. Another circle represents the kind of life that people think we lead. 
the kind of person other people think we are. Sometimes there can be a gap between those two. Sometimes there can be a big discrepancy between them. Another circle is the life God calls us to lead. The kind of person God calls us to be. And again, that might be a very different area to those other two circles. The closer those circles are to each other, the more we are approaching a life lived in integrity. The greater the distance between them, the more our lives need sorting out. Because God's agenda is to bring us to the point where actually the person that we are, the person that other people see, and the person that God wants us to be, actually are one and the same. We can be transparent because there's nothing to hide. And God is constantly in the process of bringing those different circles together so that they overlap and that they become one. That is God's agenda. That is God's purpose and will for us. God wants all three circles to occupy the same space on the chart so there's no disparity. That's God's agenda for your life and he loves you enough and has the grace and the power to bring it about. And if you call on his name, recognize that that's what he wants to do. That's his purpose for you. And when we call on his name as Lord and Saviour, we invite him to bring that about in our lives. To live deliberately with a gap between those three points, to hold them apart, is to live a lie. If you profess to be a Christian and refuse to allow God to bring those three together, the danger is we end up dragging the Lord's name through the mud. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to allow him to bring those three things together. So the person I am is the person other people see and it's the person God wants me to be. So when you go home tonight, pray the Lord's Prayer and stay a little while with that second line. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, make that true in my life. In my life, let thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And be honest, you can say, Lord, I'm asking you because I know this isn't happening. And I'm failing here. I know that you want me to be this kind of person. And I'm actually, I know I'm that kind of person. And other people see another person again. Sort me out. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord as your saviour. Because his grace and his power are your hope for salvation. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In my life as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray.